Welcome. This is Talking Sports with Evan, joined by guest Alex Strolf. And uh, kind of had to throw my show plan out the window all of a sudden <laughs> as I'm uh, ready to talk Packer defensive coordinator options. Well, the option is really not there anymore, as it looks like they did make a decision hiring former Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley out of nowhere. Name hasn't been mentioned whatsoever. But I guess, Alex, it is very Packerish to do. Um, they like doing that and they they did that so first of all thank you for uh coming on and joining me for the show and uh yeah i guess we'll start start right off with that what are your initial uh reactions to the coach that i don't think anyone's really heard of <laughs> yeah thanks evan thanks for having me buddy uh so yeah i mean this came across what 10 minutes ago and <laughs> You know, I heard Rob Domofsky say on, on Kyle Breston Ortman on ESPN Wisconsin this afternoon, you know, he he had heard that there's mystery candidates, guys that haven't been mentioned yet. And he kind of used the plural. So I, I I didn't really anticipate a hire this afternoon when, when uh, you know, Zach Orr from the Ravens was just finishing his interview either yesterday or today and, and some of their other interviews. But this must have been in the works for for uh, obviously longer than we, we, we've known, which is 10 minutes. But um you know, so this is this flew under the radar. Uh, it's an interesting one. It, it's a guy, you know, he kind of checks off after further review a lot of the things that that I wanted to see, right? Head coaching experience at either the college or or professional level, NFL experience, uh, not ne- never as a coordinator at the NFL level, but uh, was with the 49ers, was with the Buccaneers. He's been around the block a few times. I, I mean, I'm willing to give it a chance. It's it's a name I wasn't familiar with. It's a name I haven't looked into, but. It's it's a name that intrigues me. It's a hire that clearly uh, this this team did their due diligence and, and w- was thorough in the process. So uh, if Lafleur says he's the best guy for the job, shoot Evan, I'll take him at his word uh, for the time being until we see a product on the field come preseason. Yeah, and one of the co- topics that I think KBN was talking about too. Throw back to that show again. Um, do you so you mentioned you know trust Matt Lafleur. Any concerns that the two coordinator, three coordinators thus far, he's gotten to hire two special teams coordinators and one defensive coordinator hasn't really quite worked out the way we want it. Any concern there yet? Uh, No, not yet. I I mean, I understand why you bring it up, right? I mean, it is, it is something worth bringing up, but let's keep in mind Patton, what he inherited from the last I didn't put Patton up. I, you know, I knew he inherited him. Right. So he, you know, he inherited him. Joe Barry was, was kind of the second or third option, right? Jim Leonard was offered the job. He declined it. Um, I'd never liked the Joe Barry hire. Obviously it didn't work out, but at least Joe Barry came through the big screens. No Joe Barry's family liked the hire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the track record wasn't good and it, and it didn't get any better during his time in Green Bay. So that's a fair point. Um, when it comes to the offensive coordinator side of things, meh. I mean, he's a play caller. I trust LaFleur. He's, he's elevated offenses. We saw that obviously again this year. Defensively though, this is his first big swing, right? This is a guy that, that as we mentioned, kind of flew under the radar, wasn't talked about. Uh, it's a guy I don't think any of us were expecting them to interview, let alone hire. So it's a big swing for, for LaFleur. So if it doesn't work out, then I think that question will be even more talked about when the season rolls around in what, nine or eight or nine months. I'm sh- I'm sure I was not the only one hoping. I'm sure you kind of were too, that Zach, uh, 
Zach Orr would have got the job because I, I know you on your show, uh, you see the name on the bottom there, Mr. Irre- Irrelevant um, Podcast. You had his brother on the show talking about him earlier and it would have been cool to have that connection between, when I say us, for those that don't know, I we both work for a company called Good Karma Brands. You and Madison, me in Milwaukee, and he works in the uh, Madison office as well. So like, we would have had that connection with uh, somebody on the Packer coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, it would have been cool, but but you know, after further review of everything going on in Baltimore too, I just thought it was unlikely given that their defensive coordinator is taking a head coaching job, meaning he needs to hire a defensive coordinator and Baltimore needs to hire one. And so the two options that that Green Bay interviewed are likely both going to get DC jobs elsewhere. So I, I didn't I, I didn't put a ton of stock into the Baltimore stuff. Um I did put a lot of stock into Christian Parker from Denver, who seemed to be the front runner over the course of the weekend. But this one came completely out of left field. And like I said, Evan, the more I read into it, which I will do more once once I'm done talking to you, is uh, I think I like it. Like, uh, he's got experience. It's not his first time being the leader in a locker room. Uh, and again, I, I, I get he hasn't done it at the league level, but I just read Pete Dammel's thread from ESPN that, you know, he was kind of over the shenanigans of college football, right? The the constant recruiting internally and externally, the NIL, the, the sales pitches, um, you don't have to do that at the NFL level. All these guys are professionals and all you need to do is put together a game plan and have those guys go out there and execute it. So um, he's been here before. He's been in the league before. Uh, he's been in a really successful team before being the San Francisco 49ers prior to going to Ohio state. So I, I think I'm in on the higher Evan, as we sit here and, and talk through it. Like, I think I've talked myself into it. Yeah, and now I guess we wait and see what happens with the coaching staff, assuming this is, in fact, the hire because things change. We thought Josh McDaniels was the Indianapolis coach, <laughs> head coach, until he wasn't. Well, Bill sure. Belichick was the Jets head coach until he wasn't. So it's not a done deal until it's done. And now the question is, is the coaching staff. They had not gotten rid of any of the previous staff with Joe Barry. I do hope that they bring in some new voices to the coaching staff just because we hear the floor talking during the season about communication being an issue. A lot of the guys on the staff have been here for a while, and I think a fresh voice and a defensive coordinator able to bring in and have that option to keep guys or not, I think is really important. Do you think put any stock in that, or do you think just inheriting the staff would work? No, I, I I agree with you, right? And and the nice part is he'll probably be able to to, to make some of those decisions when he once he gets going as the DC. Uh, obviously, it's late in the process, but if you're going to go poach some guys, poach some guys. If he brings people over from his staff, um, I imagine it won't be like a collegiate move, right? If he's taking another head coaching job, everybody goes with you. That won't be the case here, obviously. But yeah, I, I think fresh voices are always necessary, especially after what you saw this defense do for a majority of the season, which was stop nobody. Right. I mean, they they were bleeding at at all levels of their defense for a majority of the season up until it mattered most. And that seemingly is when Joe Barry's at his best. When it matters most, he finds a way to put a really good defense on the field like we saw in the postseason. So um, he has uh, to make that one final stop. Then he can. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. Good point. but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm always an advocate for fresh voices when something's broken. And, and clearly the Packers defense has been broken for the better part of a decade plus. So uh, I'm, I'm down with that. It's just a matter of I don't know how easy it is to execute at this point. Because look, teams that make coaching changes typically aren't making a hire on the final day of January, right? I mean, most of these teams have, have their staff in place a couple of weeks ago because we're, we're, we're in the in-between period between a championship weekend and the Super Bowl. So 
when you're a good team, I mean, this is a good problem to have. So he likely will inherit most of the existing staff just because of the timing of it. But if we can bring some fresh blood in, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think fresh blood would definitely do wonders. To the 2023 season, now that we have a defense coordinator to actually talk about <laughs> and to speculate on who it could be, jump back to the 2023 season. And I was saying last week that when the game happened, grumpy, not happy, same same script every time they play San Francisco, it seems like. Yeah. But when you get a chance to kind of take that step back and look at the big picture, I look at 2023 as a success. The expectations going in was, is Jordan Love the guy? And mm-hmm. I know from watching your uh, your podcast and your videos, uh, you kind of had a bit of a roller coaster ride on that. <laughs> sure did. Uh, we all did, though. <laughs> yeah, we did. And I think that it, that question has been answered. And I think the young guys developing have been answered. Do you view 2023 as a success or because they lost to the 49ers in the playoffs? It <laughs> doesn't really matter. Shit, it's been it's been 11 days. I'm still grumpy, Evan. Like, <laughs> I mean, it always makes me grumpy when they lose to the Niners. But 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 to answer your question, it's a massive success. It, it all it all boils down to preseason expectations versus what you got. Right. You had, you had three big questions, I think entering the 2023 season. The massive one you just talked about was Jordan Love. Is he the guy? He proved that's an emphatic yes throughout the course of the season. Question two was, will Joe Barry remain the coordinator? Can he finally figure it out with this defense? As we just talked about the last 10 minutes, obviously the answer to that was no, uh, but but they're trying to write that wrong here and going into 24. And the third question I think going into the season was, is Matt LaFleur as, as much of an offensive genius as we have touted him as, right? He's had had a four-time MVP quarterback running the show his entirety, entire tenure as the Packers head coach. So what can he do with a new guy? Well, that proved out to be pretty darn good as well. So I think you got answers to all three questions and you won a playoff game on the road and competed with the team that's representing your conference in the Super Bowl, a game you really, I think we could agree on, you should won. So I... I I, I view it as a huge success. I never saw a playoff berth coming, especially when they were two and five, right? Like I thought love stunk and, and this team was a disaster and they were going to have a top five draft pick. Now they have draft pick 25 all of a sudden because they want a playoff game. So uh, totally exceeded my expectations. Now uh, let, let me throw this back at you because you, you mentioned, right? Like the future's bright and you're right about that, right? You've got uh, your entire offense is under contract for another two plus years, depending on where you're looking at including the quarterback, or at least he will be by the time the season rolls around. What are the expectations? And I know it's too early to tell, right? Like they still have to make the draft decisions. They still have to go through free agency. We still need to know who's on the roster. But is the expectation divisional round at minimum next year? Because I would say that's probably what they competed at towards the end of the year. I would say that is probably going to be what the expectations are. And it is different when you don't play with any expectations and you're mm-hmm. not being talked about because nobody expects anything from you to being the, the lead dog, being the all the expectations on you. It's a totally different mindset. We'll see how the young team adjusts to going from whatever, you know, was going through their mind this year with mm-hmm. nobody expects us to do anything to now it's we could possibly compete for a Super Bowl. We'll see how they handle those expectations. And that's going to be a big, big, uh, big on the coach and LaFleur and the coaching staff to keep this team focused. I remember after one of the wins this season, I think, yeah, one after one of the wins this season, I think it was the one right before the Giants lost. 
LaFleur is talking about that as quickly as things are going well, it can quickly go the other direction too. Not exactly what he said, but pretty much what he said. And that was that happened two weeks in a row. The expectations changed. Maybe they're reading their press clippings a little too much, and they got punched in the mouth by DeVito. Tommy DeVito. I always called him Danny DeVito. I was going to say Danny DeVito. We, we could just say Danny. That's fine. I mean, he's, he, yeah. Danny DeVito's already more relevant than Tommy DeVito is yeah. a long time half removed from that. Um, so how they handle those expectations are going to be key, but I definitely yeah. think second round, if not conference championship, is probably where the expectation lies. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, which is which is interesting, given that a team in your division obviously just played in the championship game on Sunday. Um, now, they, they have some things to go through as well, so we'll, we'll see what happens, obviously, here in the offseason. But I, I, I that's the part that, that makes me nervous, right? Because nothing is a given in the NFL. There is no league with greater parity than the NFL, right? The, 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 it is so evenly matched, no matter if you put the Carolina Panthers – up against the Green Bay Packers, right? That was a three-point game on Christmas Eve. Uh, despite the fact one of those teams won a playoff game and one of them technically should have had the, the number one pick in the draft. So I, uh, I'm i nervous about it, but it, it's fun to expect wins. And winning is fun, right? So I, I, I just, it, I didn't expect this. You know, if you would have told me before the season, after the season, we're talking about like division round or championship game or bust for the 24th season, I would have told you you're freaking nuts. And here we are talking about it because that is realistic, right? Like you you legitimately could make a case that the quarterback with the most upside right now in the NFC is Jordan Love. You could make a case that he's a top five quarterback in the NFC already, if not top three, right? And you look at the pass catchers around him. Those guys are going to evolve and get better. That's just a natural year two jump for guys like Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks. If Christian Watson stays healthy, look at the tight ends, right? Like offensively, the expectations have to be high. Now, Jeff Halfley comes in. What he does with this defense will ultimately dictate what this team can be and what what their ceiling is. And hopefully, it's a playoff win over San Francisco. But I won't hold my breath on that. Yeah, I if come playoff time next year, come divisional round, if the Packers aren't playing San Francisco and the San Francisco's in the other divisional round game, and San Francisco happened to lose, a la '96 season when the Cowboys lost to Carolina and the Packers beat the 49ers. To get to the championship game, I wouldn't complain because <laughs> I wouldn't. I, granted, it would have been a Lambo, but I would not have been very thrilled to have to play the Cowboys to get to the Super Bowl back in '96. I wouldn't be very thrilled to have to play the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl in 2024. Just uh, you, just tired of seeing them. And no, that's fair. 2024, big big off season for the Packers. Try to figure out to, what to do to take that next step. Couple couple guys. Big money old. Start with Aaron Jones. Is he back next year? I think so. Yeah, I think there'll be a restructure done. I, I just don't know how you let him go after he he finishes the season on, on the best five game stretch we've had, we've ever seen out of him. I mean, of course, the case you can make about Jones is it's his age thirty season next year, but yeah, I don't really want to hear it. Uh, so yeah, I think he's back. I want Jones back, but I also want a running back with a similar skill set likely in this year's draft because once you hit that 30 you can fall off that cliff in a hurry so dylan i like dylan big fan of aj dylan leaves a lot to be desired from his performance at times Mm -hmm. but if he's going to be your featured back again because aaron jones got hurt the offense is going to struggle you need that running back that can do multiple things for you rather than just 
hey, he's on the field. That means we're going to run the ball here. So Dylan, speaking of him, is he back on a team-friendly deal since he loves Green Bay so much? Or the Packers say, see you later? I struggle with this one, Evan, because you're right. Like, there is the human aspect to consider. And obviously, the NFL is a business. But this guy's beloved. He's a fan favorite. He's a cult hero. He's the mayor of Door County. Uh, but but if I if I was going with my gut, I'd tell you no. He's probably not back. And I, I do think they go the route you just mentioned, which is back probably in the first two days of the draft. I wouldn't be surprised if they say, look, this is what we're willing to pay you. If you can find that someplace else or more, best of luck to you. Yep. But this is what we're willing to pay you. See what you can find. I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route. I think he's one know. that they would like back, but I don't think they want him in the in the role that they're trying to force him into this season when Jones went down. Bakhtiari, because uh, Walker played outstanding at times this season. Zach Tom is an all-pro right tackle, but he would be an all even better center, in my opinion. But either way, he's a great right tackle. Walker, as I mentioned, played well. Bakhtiari missed week two, three, four, five-ish. Not really missed after that. Is he back? I struggle with this one. Uh, I, I don't have an answer. I, I really, I, I would assume not if they can find a way to get out of it, but it's going to hit your cap pretty hard if you get out of it. So I, I, I don't know. I hope so. If he can return to what he used to be. I mean, he's the best left tackle in football debatably when he's, when he's at his best. So I, I would guess not, but if he can go, hell yeah, sign me up. That, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't know. This one's, this one's way too wacky to predict for me kind of funny term you use there is wacky for the next person I'm bringing up. Here we go. 23, Jair Alexander, kind of a strange season for him between injuries and appointing himself team captain for a game (laughs) and the suspension. And of course we have to overanalyze his Instagram post and the season owed a ton of money like Bakhtiari. Mm -hmm. If they were to get rid of him, do you think he's back next year or do you think they look to maybe move on from him because maybe it's better if both sides just decide to part ways? Yeah, you could probably make the case, but no, I, I think he'll be back. No doubt. Uh, despite the fact that I did overanalyze said Instagram post. And, I did too. I'm not going to well, lie. Well, using the past tense, right? Like thanks yeah. to everybody who, who was along for the journey. Like it makes it sound like the journey's over, but nonetheless, yeah, I, I would guess Jair's back. Yep, I'm the same one when I first read it, kind of overanalyzed it a little <laughs> bit, and then start pu- pulling back the other way, like, well, maybe he was just talking about the 23 season, but right. 23 season wasn't that great of a journey. But I will say this about Alexander, when he's focused, and that tends to be the problem, when he's focused, he's one of the, the best shutdown corners in football. But the problem Absolutely. is you don't get that locked-in, focused version anymore, too often anymore, it seemed like. Not consistently. I mean, he, he jacks himself up about matchups. So we'll, we'll see. I, I, I would guess he's back though. That, that's, that's what I, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about and I just, I, I don't really see a scenario in which they could move on from him. No, they just look at the defensive back room without him. You have Stokes can't stay healthy. Valentine. I like his upside, but he's still young. And mm. when, t- when he went in the draft for a reason, Valentine's a free agent. Nixon's a free agent. I think Nixon does come back and Ballantyne will come back very cheap. Ballantyne, definitely a replaceable level player. But when you move Alexander out of that room, you're going to be depending on a lot of young guys who 
now with a new defensive coordinator, you're not really doing him any favors when you're trying to compete for a championship next year. And that safety room is pretty bare, even with if you bring everybody back, that safety room is still bare. <laughs> so that's a fact. Yeah, that, that I, I imagine that will be uh, one they focus on pretty heavy in the draft and maybe even free agency. That that's that's the glaring issue defensively right now is that safety room. And it was going into the season. And yeah. Thought Savage was fine. Um, I, I have a hard time believing he's back though. He'll he'll, he'll go on to, uh, you know, that that's a type of situation where I think a change of scenery is better for both sides in Darnell Savage. So uh, we'll see. But I just, um, I just I, don't have another Micah Hyde situation. He leaves and becomes an all-pro <laughs> player. <laughs> that's always the fear, right? And like you see what Rasul Douglas did in Buffalo when they traded him the first couple of weeks. Right? He had, a, I think, he had two different games with 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 two interceptions and and one game with a pick six, like or two pick sixes. It might have been. Um, yeah, so now Rasul Douglas will, will join the Micah Hyde-Casey Hayward camp uh, of just being uh, ridiculously talented elsewhere, and, and maybe Darnell will be too, but but clearly it, it's not working here. Yeah, and you mentioned free agency as well for safety. I think they have to bring in at least a free agent or pick. two for that safety room because if you want, now you're going to be a quote-unquote title contender with what you did this year. You're not a title contender, a Super Bowl legit contender going in with a, no disrespect to him, but a Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Darnell Savage, um, and whoever else at that safety position. Like, if that's your, if that's the type of safety room you have, you're not a serious title contender. And if you're going in there with just rookies next year, you're not going to be taken that serious. So I think they definitely need to address that room. I have it as the probably number one need this offseason for the Packers is to fix that room. Yeah. Is there another position that you feel is a little more of a bigger need? Or? No, it's not close. It's it's safety and it's not close. But I'll, I'll give you pushback on, on one part, right? Like you said, if it's just rookies, you're probably not elevating to the to way you, you think you are. Uh, we probably said the same thing about the wide receiver room before this season, right? Like, and I would argue wide receiver is a little bit more important than safety when it comes to the, uh, you know, the, the complexion of a football field. So I, I tend to agree, but for whatever reason, Goody proved me wrong on everything I said this season when it came to the wide receiver room. So even if it is, you know, if they, if they spend a second round and a fourth round pick on your starting safeties next year, is that sexy? No. Does that get you excited? No. Can it work? Maybe, right? Like you, you mentioned uh, Valentine, right? Carrington Valentine. This is a seventh-round pick. Nobody expected him to have the season he had. He had, he had like a debatably uh, as good of a season as any rookie corner. So I I, I don't know. Uh, the, the, something about this youth movement is is infectious amongst this team, and, and it worked to perfection this year. I, I would prefer if they didn't run it back with, with rookies at, at safety, but if they do, I can't doubt Goody anymore. So I, I'll just keep my mouth shut on that. Yeah, and my I guess my pushback to the pushback is <laughs> it took until two and five for these sure. rookie and second year wide receivers to have something click. If you're trying to be a legit Super Bowl contender, like again, expectations are changing. If you're waiting till week six, week seven, week eight for those rookies to click, now you might be sitting at two and five, three and seven, and the hashtag fire the defensive coordinator is trending again. If That's my concern. This year I, I was fine with having the very young room. There was times I wouldn't mind a veteran because veterans could help 
accelerate the process, but ultimately it didn't matter. But I just think if your expectations are changing from let's see what we have to it's time to make the playoffs again, I think you have to maybe bring somebody into that room that is a veteran. Maybe Micah Heidegger, I'm not saying let's bring him back, but from my understanding, he's a free agent again. Maybe he comes back to that room. He is. That would be quite the reunion. Uh, I will give you no pushback to the pushback of the pushback. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I'm. I agree with with everything you said. So yeah. we'll see, right? Like, look. I, I will say though, if safety is the biggest concern, I think you're doing okay. I agree. And move on from the Packers because I know you have some places you have to be, and then I want to give you a chance to shout out your. Uh, your stuff that you do at the excellent work with ESPN Madison and your podcast that you run uh, Badger basketball team, big game tomorrow at Nebraska. That game for some reason worries me more than Sunday afternoon against Purdue. Yeah. It's funny you say that Evan, because you're not the first person to say that to me. Um, So, so here, here, I mean, I guess maybe this is why, right? Like Nebraska is amazing on their home floor. No big team, 10 team. Has won there yet. They're shooting a terrific clip three-point-wise. Badgers' three-point defense has been a little bit shady at times this year. Have you heard that uh, before with the Wisconsin sports? Team? Yeah. yeah true <laughs> that. True that. I've never heard that one before. Uh, they certainly didn't fire their head coach last week. Oh. Um, but I I, I, I I, like their chances against in both yeah. these games. But also, like I talked about it on my show earlier today, college basketball is so weird this year. Right, like I, I, I firmly believe there was one really good team in college basketball. They're ranked number one in the country, UConn, the reigning national champions. Otherwise, it's anybody's game every night. So I, I get why this one worries you at Nebraska, but this is a really good Wisconsin team. They can compete with yeah. anybody offensively, and it'll, that's not something you're used to saying. It would also be a very Wisconsin Badger thing to do to stub their toe against Nebraska as well. I grew up in Madison, been a Badger fan since – I can't even remember when it's been so long. There's just always when expectations are super high and everything's going so well, they always seem to stub their toe in the most unfortunate way. But I, the question I wanted to ask, I saw it out on Twitter or X or whatever we're saying these days. Um, ask, you know, somebody was mentioning that the Badgers can be a legit Final Four team this year. In your mind, are they, are, are they a legit Final Four contender this year? Uh, well, take it with a grain of salt, given what I just said about college basketball, right? Like yeah. anybody could be a Final Four team this year. But to answer your question, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're one of the 10 best teams in the country, without a doubt in my mind. Um, we've seen them play some really good competition, right? We saw them against Tennessee earlier in the year. We saw them beat Marquette earlier in the year. Uh, they lose to Providence, who I, who I always call a sneaky good team because they are always a sneaky good team. They've got UConn tonight. Wouldn't be shocked if they won that one. So I – I think, yes, I think the big points are, number one, what you've seen offensively from this team is something, you know, I did a radio hit up in Tomahawk last week, and the host, Alex, uh, said, he told me a stat I hadn't heard yet, which is they are averaging more points per game than they had in 48 years or something like that offensively, Um, which is absurd to me. I didn't even think they scored 80-plus points in the the 80s and 70s, but nonetheless – AJ Store provides something so special to this team, right? Like Johnny Davis, Sam Decker esque, uh, just such an offensive firepower that they lacked desperately last year. Uh, Steven Crowell's taken a step, I think. Chucky Hepburn has evolved his game despite his scoring being down. His presence is felt so much on the offensive and defensive side of the floor. So, uh, A, if they stay healthy, and B, if they can continue the offensive presence they've had this year. No doubt in my mind, Evan, their final four good. 
Yeah, I think I think they are too both because they're that good, and then what you had said too about there's just uh, not really one true great team in college basketball this year, except maybe UConn. I know two more top five teams lost, I think, last night. Yeah. So Badgers have a good good day tomorrow, a nice day on Sunday. They may be top three bound if uh, if things go well, because if they beat Purdue, they beat the number two ranked team, a team ahead of them. So I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. but I don't know if you are, though, right? <laughs> like, I, I it, it is very realistic that they could go 0-2 over the course of the next four days. It's also very realistic that they could go 2-0. Because yeah. that's how chaotic the Big Ten is. And you, we talked about it. Nebraska's a hard place to play. They're really good on their home floor this year. It's very weird. They're not very good on the road, but they're very good at home. Um, and, and then Purdue, we've seen them get beat. Um, I don't know how the hell Wisconsin answers the Zach Eady problem, unless you get them into foul trouble early. But I like their chances elsewhere, right? Like their guard play is better than Purdue's, I would argue. So, um, yeah, they could be a top three team in the country next week. That wouldn't shock me, but it also wouldn't shock me if they lose both of these. Um, it's that type of year in college hoops, which in, 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 uh, in my opinion, so much fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for jumping on. I know you got place to be, uh, just before you do jump off and we say our goodbyes, uh, just where can people check out your work? I do have it showing on at the, the bottom of the ticker there, but where can they exactly find the Mr. Irrelevant podcast? Yeah, yeah, my Twitter is always the best place to to find all the shenanigans at Alex underscore Strofe, which is on the bottom. But then, yeah, you can find the Mr. Relevant podcast, the ESPN Madison YouTube page, as well as wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. We do it three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, always with a featured guest, uh, you know, just talking whatever's on my mind that day, right? You mentioned it at the top, Evan. I had Chris Orr on today because the Ravens were, or excuse me, the Packers were interviewing Chris's brother, who's the Ravens inside linebackers coach, Zach Orr. So I wanted to get Chris's opinion on that, but also – he, he played linebacker at the league. He played linebacker at the University of Wisconsin at a really high level. He knows a hell of a lot more than I do. So tell me what we should be looking for as Packers fans as in a defensive coordinator. And probably once we hop off here, I'm, I'm going to call Chris and see if this makes any sense for the Packers because, like I said, he knows a hell of a lot more than me. But, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me, dude. Always good catching up with you. Appreciate uh, all, all your help this year uh, during our, our, our Packers coverage on the pregame show. And when it, whether it was clicking buttons or sending me a note that somebody was out, it was always appreciated. So, uh Always good chat with you, and uh, we can do it again soon. Yep, definitely looking forward to that. And let me know what uh, Chris has to say about this hiring. Because as soon I'll as pass he it on. Off, I'm going to be uh, doing more research on him than the few minutes we had here before we got on the air. So for those watching live, thanks for watching. Podcast version will be available first thing tomorrow morning. Anywhere podcasts are found. Otherwise, uh, Evan Wood Sports on Twitter. Talking Sports with Evan on Facebook and YouTube is how you can watch this show and all the other shows. Have a great rest of your night. I'll be back at you next week.